0: Hey, APGov, welcome to the review for your executive and legislative branch test. The review can be found on eClass. It is a Google Doc, so you can grab it, make a copy if you want to, if you like to take notes as we go through this stuff. Um, so sorry we couldn't go through it in class. Uh, didn't think the FRQ would take that long for uh, for those that took a, a little bit longer. Uh, it's fine, not a big deal. Uh, but it just that poor planning on my part, so I do apologize for that. Uh, I also apologize for this being out a little bit later. I had something going on during fourth period, my planning period, and it went a little bit longer than I thought. So once again, poor planning on my part. So I'm having to record this in the afternoon. So hopefully there is no interruptions from the intercom, although uh, there probably will be. Uh, all right. Anyways, let's get rolling with this thing. So first up is Baker versus Carr. And Baker versus Carr uh, is one of the two required court cases from this unit. Uh, this one deals with, uh, it, so we do it during the gerrymandering stuff, but it's not a gerrymandering case. So please don't think, Oh, that's definitely, uh, the gerrymandering case. This is a case that took place in the nineteen sixty late fifties, early sixties. And it deals with representation. Uh, so that's why it fits where we have it with the redistricting and whatnot. So basically Tennessee had a law on the books that said, Hey, they're going to redistrict every 10 years after the census. And, uh, Um, they did not. So they hadn't redistricted since 1900. Okay. So that's at least five sentences that they had just let go. And so this county where the the plaintiff is, is going to have swollen in population. So there's a huge population there now. Uh, And the rural places where the, the population sometimes is moving from has decreased. So just for numbers purposes, let's say that a million people had moved into this county where the plaintiff is, and there was only a hundred thousand people where they had moved out of. That's that's not a a good equal representation. So you had overrepresentation for the rural areas where there was less people, and you had underrepresentation where the. Uh, where the the population had swollen. and so the the court takes this case, and they're going to rule in favor of the plaintiff, and, and Tennessee has to redistrict. The more important part here uh, is obviously the the representation stuff, but also we need to keep in mind this is what opened the door for the courts to look at gerrymandered districts. Now, up to this point, they had said no, that's a legislative thing, uh, that's a uh, not an issue for us to the courts to handle. And so they had stayed out of those things. Now with Baker versus Carr, not only do they force Tennessee to try and equal out their representation and redistrict uh, in a timely manner, but they're also going to um, they're also going to start taking a look at cases where the the, the district lines are being challenged. Okay. Uh, all right. The next thing is the House versus Senate. And this is a very broad thing. All right. Uh, And I told you a couple of important things. And so uh, the two key things here to remember is that the House was designed or set up for its representation to be closer to us. So it's more geared toward me and you. And what we're the the House members are supposed to be more in tune with us, their constituents. The Senate is supposed to be more about the state and the state as a whole. And here's that interruption. Department we're sorry, sorry meeting in room one zero zero seven right now. Fine arts department meeting is happening in one zero zero seven now. Thank you. <sighs> All right, so that fine arts meeting is very important. All right, so uh and the second thing about the house versus the Senate, remember the House is very structured, very rigid with their rules. And then the Senate is not going to be. Now, I'm not going to ask you. I don't think if I remember correctly, there's no like super basic questions on the test about, uh, hey, the the House is 25 and the Senate is 30 and, and things like that. Uh, but I think those are the two big ones to remember. All right. Committees in Congress. Remember, committees is where all the work takes place with um, uh, the, in Congress. Uh, we have this idea. I guess maybe some people have this idea. I used to have the idea that everything took place and everything happened on the floor of the House, the floor of the Senate. Uh, but really, um, the the work is going to truly take place in these committees. And that's why it's so important to be the majority party. Yes, you you know, to be the majority party, you had the majority vote, but that's only part of the process uh, of, of, of legislation in, in Congress. Um, if you are in charge of the committee, then some of the stuff that your opponents want to do may never make it out of there. Remember, most bills die in the committee. And so uh, the majority party really, really gets to control what's happening uh, and what's going on, uh, not only on the floor and with the votes, but in the committee, where they're going to, to really drive the agenda of legislation, make changes, work on, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, all right. The four types of committee uh, standing. Those are the permanent ones. They're there from session to session. Uh, they have been around forever and they'll continue to be around as long as you know, there's a need for that that area. Uh, I can't think of something that might go away at some point. But, uh, you know, like the rules committee has been around since the 1790s and others have been around uh, just as long uh, or a little bit shorter. But they're there. They're permanent. OK, and this is where all the work takes place. Uh, every bill has to go to a standing committee when it's introduced. Uh, a select committee, this is an investigatory uh, piece. All right. So this committee is going to be born because something has happened and the House or the Senate feels they need a special committee to investigate this. They are separate. So the House has a select committee, possibly. The Senate has a select committee, possibly. They are not, they're not going to combine here. And they will uh, happen and then they'll go away. Now, they can last from session to session, uh, but they, uh, they're not permanent. The joint committee, doesn't happen too often but this is where the committees excuse me the house is combined so there's a house committee and a senate committee uh, or excuse me house and senate members are both on the joint committee sorry uh, someone was at the door and i was distracted um and they're going to uh put out some kind of information so the 9-11 report was a a joint commission uh action and then you've got the uh the the conference committee these are the ones that are going to happen when OK, when there is a different version of a bill passed by the House and by the Senate, they cannot send that to the president. They have to pass the same exact version. So if there are differences, the House and the Senate will come together in a conference committee. They will meet and they will try and work out the differences. Sometimes they're able to. Sometimes they're not. It just depends on the, the, what the, the, the topic of the bill is. All right. Senate powers in Article 2. So remember, Article 2 deals with the president. All right, and so uh, this is getting at it. it kind of combines some stuff from Article One. Um, the the big one is that the president gets to to pick all these different people. Okay, so the president gets to pick uh, all these individuals for judgeships, for ambassadorships, um, to lead all the, the different departments of the bureaucracy, and uh, the big big thing. It says in Article 2 is that the president can make these appointments, but then the Senate specifically is going to confirm them. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so that's Article 2 powers of Congress, even though Article 2 is all about the, uh, what you call it, the, the president. Okay. Uh, let's see. Next one there, legislative powers. So the the big one. What they do mostly is Congress is going to pass laws. All right, they're going to work on and uh, make make laws. Uh, they also will have the they have the power of the purse. Remember, they control all the money. Remember that they have oversight, so they are able to um, call in not only bureaucratic agents and agencies, but they can also call in private citizens. You know. You, you're you probably saw the the TikTok guy uh, was called in and had to testify in front of them. So they have those powers and those abilities. Um, you know, going back to the last part about the the approval of um, judges and ambassadors just basically appointments. Um, they also get to approve treaties. They're the ones that can declare war. They're the ones that are going to tell us to to coin money. Okay, so a lot of legislative powers uh, are out there for. Uh, Congress okay uh, Debate differences so the House and the Senate remember the Senate is going to be very very uh, what's the word they have a lot more freedom and a lot more ability okay uh, to debate and that leads to the filibuster um, and the the filibuster, it's something that the minority party uses versus the House. The House, remember, has rigid strict rules. They can only debate for an hour. So they're not going to be able to do the filibuster over there. So please never, ever say, oh, the House filibuster. Because that's not a thing. Okay? That's not a thing. Um, so there is that. Um, remember on the, the Senate side, if you have 60 people, then you can pretty much do whatever you want to. It's called a supermajority. Uh, you... You could really just bypass everything the minority uh, wants to do. Uh, open versus closed amendments in the House. So this is only a, a House thing. Uh, remember that the Rules Committee can set this up. So when the, the bill goes to the, the floor, if it's open, then people can add amendments to the bill. So they can add something as long as it's germane, remember the germaneness requirement, uh, it has to be on topic. So an education bill could only take education amendments. It could not take military spending, environmental spending and all that kind of stuff. Closed amendments just means they cannot add uh, amendments to the bill, all right? So closed means they cannot add uh, any kind of amendment to the bill. All right, the delegate trustee and political, politico, excuse me, model of representation This was one of those wrap-up things we did uh, on the last day we did after your quiz uh, on congress and the president um the delegate role they are going to do so basically they, they govern based on what their constituents want that's the most important thing it doesn't matter what they believe it's what the constituents think so if i'm a delegate And let's say I'm pro-choice, but my constituents are pro-life. I'm going to vote pro-life on legislation that comes before me because whatever they want is most important. A trustee is different. A trustee is going to feel and think that, hey, I know what I'm doing. I am the the best suited uh, to make decisions. And even though it might go against my, my constituents, I know better than they do what they want and what they need. And so I'll vote how I want to. You get in trouble doing that, especially on controversial stuff. All righty. Uh, and then the Politico is a combination. And most Congress people are probably going to be this way. Uh, on big, important matters that are going to get a lot of publicity, they're going to vote for their constituents. On matters that might not matter too much, they're going to vote how they feel. A lot of times it'll line up, but it's just how the, how it works. All right. The legislative process steps. So remember, a bill is introduced. Okay. Every single bill is going to go to a committee. It's going to go probably even to a subcommittee. So it'll get put into committee and then into a subcommittee. And that's where they'll do most of the work is in that committee. They mark it up. They will call experts to testify about the bill, to give them advice about the bill. Really, the committee and the subcommittee is where all the work takes place for a bill. Once they have voted on it favorably, it goes to the the full floor, whether it's the House or the Senate, and they will debate it. And then they'll have a vote. If it passes, it goes to the other side and it starts all over. And it goes to the committee. The committee gets to work on it, and do their thing to it. And then it goes to the floor for debate and then it gets voted on. All right. This is why the bills can come out differently because it does have to cross over. You can't just pass one bill on the House and then it's done. We just had this here in Georgia. Um, Georgia had some things that passed and didn't pass because the House and the Senate couldn't agree at the local level. So our state level. Uh, last night was the The crossover night is what they call it. Fiscal policy, that's just all the things the government does. Well, I shouldn't say all the things. It's just things the government does to try and control the economy. They can spend money, and they can tax. And that's really it. Okay, And really, remember we said taxing is very difficult because they have to write the code, and they have to write the law, and they have to vote on it. And it has to cross over to the other side and go through that process as well. It doesn't happen very quickly. So really spending is their big thing. Finally, for the legislative part is gerrymandering. Gerrymandering is going to be where the, now gerrymandering happens, okay, when the state legislatures, because they're the ones that redraw the lines, when in the process of redistricting, they create districts that are favorable to them. All right, so whichever political party is in charge of the state legislature at the time, they get to redraw the lines. There is the potential to draw the lines unfairly and make sure that you're going to keep your power uh, throughout, you know, throughout the next ten years, that's gerrymandering. Okay, it is legal. It does happen. Both sides do it, um, and um, the courts can look at those things. Okay, so the courts can look at the uh, lines that are being considered uh, as gerrymandering. Alright guys, welcome back. Sorry for the abrupt stop earlier. I was clicking around on my uh, my app and uh, I was finishing up the review question and then I was going to say, let's take a break and uh, I clicked stop recording before I got to say that. So anyways, it's been a while since I've recorded. Anyways, welcome back. Uh, we're going to pick up with the executive branch. The first uh, topic for the executive branch is the bullet pulpit. Now this is something we did uh, one of those random things. So there was a few random terms we did, along with the, the Politico and the delegate model of, of governing. But the bully pulpit is—it's a pretty simple idea. It's the basically the president's ability to speak to their constituents, and they have a huger—that's a word, word. They have a bigger platform than anybody else does. Okay, you know we could go back in history, back in the day prior to what we have nowadays, uh, the president would go out and give a speech. And lots of people are going to show up when they hear that the president is coming. Some random congressperson, some random judge shows up to speak. They'll get a few people, but it's it's not going to be the audience showing up that the president has. Fast forward, FDR on the radio with his fireside chats, people tuned in just to listen to FDR because he's the president. If some random congressperson had gotten on there and said, hey, I'm going to talk for a little bit, people aren't going to listen, at least not the numbers that FDR had. Fast forward to TV, okay? Um, presidents from JFK Ford used, I mean, Ford, not to Ford, the, the president. Um, they are going to have this uh, this platform where they can call a press conference and they can jump on TV and talk directly to the American people, okay? Uh, and then you go even further forward, you got social media. And you know, love or hate Trump, he used Twitter and he used that social media platform to talk directly to the American people. He had thousands or millions. I don't have any followers he had, but he had a ton, uh, more than probably most Congress people. Did. So the bully pulpit is just this uh, platform that the president has that no one else does. All right. The War Powers Act. This was created to take power away from the president. Remember, during Vietnam, the president could really had a blank check to do as they wished. Um, when it comes to making war. And after the war was over, Congress was like, we got to take that power back. And so they created the War Powers Act. Uh, It's going to limit the president's authority to commit troops. It's going to limit the president's authority to make moves without congressional approval. The presidential vetoes. So the president does have the ability to uh, veto legislation. Uh, Joe Biden just vetoed his first one two weeks ago or so. Um, And uh, it's a power. It's a pretty powerful tool. You know, we, we say, hey, the president can veto, but then Congress can override that veto. They need two-thirds, remember. But that's a tough number to get to. Even when presidents are unpopular, two-thirds is, is difficult to get to. Now, they're more likely to happen when two-thirds of the Congress is against the president. And then, obviously, the opposite is also true. If two-thirds of Congress is for the president, then they're pretty, their vetoes are pretty safe, although if two-thirds of the people of Congress is for the president. They're probably not going to be worrying about vetoing anything anyways, but whatever. Uh, That's what we're getting at there. You've also got the pocket veto. Remember, that's a timing thing uh, for the president. They have to um, get something, a piece of legislation, within 10 days of Congress going out of session. All right, executive agreements. Uh, Remember, these are agreements between the president and another country. And the big thing about them is that The Senate does not get to approve them. So if the president goes off and makes a treaty with another country, it's got to come back, and the Senate is going to have to approve it. Executive agreements get around that. And so um, it's something that uh, presidents will use and do use, especially if they uh, have a Congress that is hostile to them. Okay, Now, just like with the executive orders, which I think we have later on, remember Congress is not completely just stumped. When it comes to executive agreements uh, they have some options they can always legislate around the executive agreement uh, they can also refuse funding and you know they have some options when it comes to these executive agreements it's not just oh the president made an executive agreement we can't do anything they have options that they can do <coughs> excuse me uh and that's the next thing executive order so similar to the uh, executive agreement these orders do not get reviewed by Congress. The president makes them, creates them. Uh, they are directives to the bureaucracy and they have the force of law because, con- because excuse me, the bureaucratic agencies are going to enforce them. And you, bureaucratic agencies have that power, and that ability. Uh, so once again, yeah, the president will do these and use these when needed. Typically, it's going to be when it's a split Congress. So like right now, you know, the president is from one party. You got the House Made up of Republicans, uh, there's a a slim chance the president will, I shouldn't say slim, but there's not going to be much legislation moving around. So the president might use executive orders. Uh, And just like with the agreements, Congress can always legislate around these things. They can also refuse uh, to uh, fund whatever the program is is as well uh, that's being used in the executive order. So, you know, uh, they're going to happen because of disagreements. You know, the president and Congress are not see an eye-to-eye on legislative issues, the president might choose to to do that, uh, to make an executive order. Okay, presidential approval. Uh, To be honest with you, there's a graph on the test for the presidential approval thing, so you'll see that uh, when you do that. Uh, I think it's it's not a graph, it's a pie chart, and I think it's pretty easy for you to read, so I think you'll be in good shape there. But just overall, presidential approval, um, it's going to be... Typically, presidents are going to start off very popular. So when they're first elected, they're going to have some good numbers, big numbers. And then as they go through their presidency, they start to lose some steam and the numbers go down. Biden's approval rating right now is pretty low. I think it's last I heard it's like low 40s, upper 30s, which isn't very good. Um, <clears throat> anyways, foreign versus domestic policy. So foreign policy is everything that deals with um foreign countries. That's why it's called foreign foreign policy, if you can imagine that. Uh, typically, <clears throat> the president is going to be left to their own devices to do foreign policy. So they're going to get to make some decisions about uh, the direction of the country when it comes to uh, the rest of the world. Domestic policy, they're going to work with Congress. And this is what Congress is mostly concerned about domestic policy because you know, as shallow as it sounds uh, to say this, uh, American citizens aren't Super concerned about what's going on around the rest of the world, unless it directly affects us somehow. Now, if it directly affects Americans, then we're super concerned. But if it's not, you know, mess it up my day to day life, then I'm not super duper worried or concerned about what's happening. It's just not, it's, it's not something that's big to me. So Congress is going to really focus in on domestic issues because that's what does affect us on a regular basis and what is going to to matter to most Americans. And so they'll allow the president to really kind of do their own thing when it comes to foreign policy. Okay. Next up is the appointment issues. All right. And really the biggest issue is that the president has to work with the Senate on this. Now, when I say work, I mean, the president has to get their appointment through the Senate. And yeah, I talked about and gave you an example, how the Senate gets to influence bureaucratic appointments. If the president gives the Senate a name, Chris Daniels for secretary of state, Chris Daniels for ambassador to Fiji, this dream job. Don't ever forget me. Okay. When you become president and the senate looks at the name they do the background check on me and they're like god bless america that dude is an idiot there's no way we can there's no way we can a- approve there's no way we can confirm that guy mr president ms president whoever's in charge at the time you're not going to get this guy through they go to the president and they talk to the president they're like hey you're not going to we're not going to confirm that person he's an idiot so the president has two choices. The president can either press forward and fight for me and probably take a loss early on, or the president can say, Chris, and I think we're gonna go a different direction, buddy. And then they can pick somebody new that the Senate is more likely to confirm, okay? Uh, the, the Senate really has a lot of sway over federal judges over ambassadorships the one place they don't they'll still they'll still oppose and they'll still fight uh is the supreme court justices Um, because the supreme court justices represent the whole country versus just a single state um anyways they'll still be difficult you saw what trump went through you saw what biden went through with his nomination they 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 all uh, face their issues when they go through the confirmation process. Okay. Uh, formal powers. So just know that the president has several formal powers. Um, you know, and a lot of it comes from that roles of the president that we worked on, uh, or not we worked on what we went through. Uh, remember as chief executive, they're going to uh, you know, enforce the laws. They're going to grant pardons. They're going to appoint ambassadors. They're going to appoint uh, all the different positions they appoint. All that stuff is formal powers. OK, um, as commander in chief, they're going to be in charge of the military. That's a formal power. Um, chief legislator, they're going to be to legislation. So all of those things are formal powers. OK. Let's see. Next up. So uh, the reason I'm kind of struggling here a little bit is because I messed up my computer screen. My computer screen did something that I didn't like, and I was trying to make it brighter. And so I went in, and I turned off this contrast thing. In and, and sixth grade, you got to see this, how my computer screen looks now. And so I printed off the, the review so I can read it, and it printed it off very, very light. So I'm super mad and super frustrated right now because I found out that the county gives me permission to turn on the dark mode. But then they took away the permission to turn off the dark mode. So now I'm stuck here. I got to get re-imaged the computer tomorrow or over spring break. And so I'm trying to read my paper and I'm having to squint in because it's so freaking light. Anyways, sorry, that's not neither here nor there. All right. The next thing is the social media policies. And, And this is just one of the whole things. One of our topics was. You know, communication, how it's changed. And we, we went through the communication process earlier. I'm not going to go back through that, but the, just the evolution from you know just giving face-to-face speeches or handwritten letters up to now we have social media. And just how, think about how it's influenced our presidents. Uh, most people aren't going to see the president make an announcement on TV. They're not going to hear them on the radio. They're not going to see it in writing. Uh, they're going to see it on social media. The president is going to get on there and then they say, hey, I've done this. And whether it's Twitter, whether it's Whatever mode they use or uh, social media platform they use, that's going to be the biggest change there, you know, what the social media policies is, is getting at. Uh, and then the final one for the executive is the presidential appointments and Senate confirmation. So uh, you would think that you know, we're, that's a big deal. Uh, but just remember all the things we've talked about already. The, the president appoints ambassadors, judges, uh, department heads, and things like that. All those people have to go through Senate approval, okay? Now, the question on the test is going to ask you who does not. So we've talked about most of the people that are going to, to have to go through uh, point uh, approval process. So hopefully it'll stand out to you who does not have to go through that process. All right, guys, we're going to take one last break. And when we get back, we'll finish this thing up. All right, guys, welcome back to our last segment. The federal bureaucracy is the shortest. We only spent a couple of days on this. There's only a few standards uh, that we have to worry about. So first up on your review guide is the was a legislative powers and so what i need you to understand here and we we did this in class when we took a look at that vehicle issue so we, we had a scenario where the city council had passed a ordinance that said no vehicles in the park they sent it to us the parks and rec people and we had to go through some scenarios and decide who was going to get a ticket now if we read the ordinance no vehicles in the park to the letter of the law There was a lot of people that were going to get tickets. There was the the Alan, the guy in the wheelchair. There was Helen, the jogger, who was, you know, uh, running with her baby stroller. Okay, there was the the bike rider, I can't remember what his name was. Anyways, all these people were going to get tickets because it said no vehicles, and they defined vehicles as anything on wheels that conveyed or carried people, objects, and that kind of stuff. All right. However, we, as the Parks and Rec, would get that policy, and then we could write up, after we have reviewed it, and set our own policies. Guys, that is a legislative power. That is, the ability to set guidelines like that, to set the policies based on what Congress has sent you, that's a pretty powerful tool. And that's why we say that the bureaucracy has some legislative powers. And that's why on your quiz or one of the the pre and post quizzes that you took one of the things was about the fact that the bureaucracy kind of pushes the envelope with the separation of powers thing because their job is to enforce the laws they're not supposed to write them but when congress sends them a issue a policy a bill a law whatever it is and then they get to look through it and they get to enforce it how they want to with their own personal written policies That's really pushing it, okay, as far as separation of powers go. So that is, but that's where their power comes from. That's where the bureaucracy really gets to do their thing is by being able to to write the laws. Uh, I should not write the laws, excuse me, interpret the laws and create the policies as they see fit. Okay, next up is the congressional control of the bureaucracy. So remember, we said there's two things that Congress can do to really, 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 really control the bureaucracy. Uh, They have the ability to uh, call them in for oversight hearings. Remember, we talked about that earlier. That's something that committees do. And they also control the money. They control the purse. So Congress can really, you know, screw over an agency if that agency uh, upsets them and makes them Angry, and uh, you know, I gave the example of, of NASA. Hey, let's cut NASA's um, budget by 60 gazillion dollars or whatever their budget is. They can't operate. They're not going to be able to function as they're supposed to because of that. Uh, let's see, independent executive agencies. So remember, there's two types of independent agencies. There's the executive agencies, which is what we're going to talk about, and there's the regulatory commissions. Okay. The biggest thing to remember here is that the regulatory agencies, and I know it's not on your review, but remember the regulatory agencies have some kind of regulatory powers and abilities, okay? Uh, they can, you know, write laws. Ah, I'm saying that wrong. They can write up their regulations and they can enforce them. So like the Securities and Exchange Commission that, that cover the stock market, they can write up some stuff, they can enforce that, okay? Uh, other independent executive agencies don't have that power and that ability. Okay. Uh, they might enforce stuff. They might have that ability, but they don't always get to to write up their own stuff. Uh, NASA is an example of that. They don't have any kind of regulatory power. Okay. And I keep on saying NASA because it's my favorite. I want to go to freaking space one day. Um, probably never will get to. That. So it's a very sad day and a very sad thought that I'll never get to do that. But anyways nasa's an independent executive agency because they don't really have any authority you know they they are going to do stuff over space to an extent uh but they are, are they can't regulate it they can't stop stop me from going to space They can't stop elon musk and things like that okay uh a lot of that is also going to be you know, uh, you've got discretionary that that's one of the things so when we say discretionary that just means means that the bureaucratic agents a lot of them get the laws and they have the ability to kind of review and then write up the policies as they see fit so if you see the discretionary thing on there it's just going back to that quasi legislative power Uh let's see the iron triangles the last thing on our our thing and the last thing we did so iron triangles remember it's just the relationship between the congressional committees the bureaucratic agencies and the interest groups, lobbyists, whoever, whoever's working with the, uh, the committees. It's just that relationship that they have, uh, with the interest groups trying to influence the government, Congress and the committees trying to pass laws and legislation, the bureaucratic agents trying to enforce it. Uh, it is just a relationship that they have with each other. Okay. And I think that is it for our, um, review. All right. So the test is on E-class. So, bring your charged up little Chromebooks ready to go. Uh, when you get into class, we'll all get on, and then I'll give you the password for the test, and you shall take the test. And you'll also have to do t- be able to do test corrections right afterwards. So, uh, be prepared, or not be prepared, but be ready. Uh, you'll be able to, to get everything done uh, tomorrow. So, test and test corrections. And if I don't see you, if for some reason you're absent on test day, and you don't get back till after spring break, I hope you have a wonderful spring break and everything is magical and you get to rest and relax and all that kind of good stuff guys take care if i can help you if you have questions about any of this stuff shoot me an email shoot me a text via uh, talking points and i'll be happy to reply to you um, i'll see you in class take care Bye bye